From the windows, doors, and more studios, your one-stop shop for all your kitchen and bath needs. The Pat Miller Program. Whoa, whoa. 92.3 FM and 11.90 AM. Depend on it. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome in here just after noon on this Saturday here on Wobo, 92.3 FM, 11.90 AM. It is, in fact, the Pat Miller Program. Glad you all are with us for our second visit uh, in this new journey of ours. Uh, Kayla Blakesley comes up uh, right after our first break in about 10 minutes, and we're going to cover with her some of the news that came out of Citizen Square earlier in the week. But first, I want to talk about uh, something that just occurred by two presidential candidates, in fact, the two presidential candidates. I know other people are saying, no, no, I'm running too. For all practical purposes, this again is going to be a revisit of the Trump-Biden contest of four years ago. And we have basically in front of us now a tale of two visits. There's a new term that's came out this week uh, by the Joe Biden campaign, and it's a poll-tested term. Uh, We used to call everybody illegal immigrants. Why do we call them that? Because we hate them? Because we dislike them? Because we don't uh, appreciate them? No. We called them that because that's basically what they are. They're immigrants. They're here. And they're here illegally. So we made it illegal immigrants. Well, Biden and all his fellow friends on the Democratic left have abandoned that term in favor of a few other euphemisms like undocumented immigrants or just migrants. And now there's a new one, a brand new one. Are you ready? Newcomers. I always thought newcomers was like, hey, this is the newest guy to join us on the ball team, or this is the new family in our neighborhood, or this is the new social organization here in our town. Let's make them feel welcome. Here are the newcomers. Illegal immigrants are not newcomers, but they have to come up with a different name because the issue of immigration for Biden and the people on the left, the issue of immigration overall is a loser for them, and now more than ever. There's a recent NBC News poll that has Trump beating Biden, get this, just on the issue of securing the border and controlling immigration. Trump beats Biden by 35 points. 35 points. I mean, you can tell me, well, we did a real clear politics and and head-to-head, Trump beats Biden by 5 percentage points. Not if immigration ends up being the number one topic of the day, because he beats him at that by 35 points. Look, we've been watching polls and everything for a very long time. I don't I don't ever remember a spread of 35 points in any election cycle on any issue, much less an issue that everybody in the press says it is the leading issue in voters' minds. That's right. In this campaign, this is the new it's the economy, stupid, because now it's not the economy, stupid, even though the economy is in shambles. As, a, as big a mess as the economy is right now, the biggest thing on everybody's mind is, in fact, illegal immigration. And so that's why the Biden administration would like to turn and run and get away from that topic and why you're not going to hear them say illegal immigrants anywhere between now and Election Day in November. They don't want to say that phrase. They're not going to say that phrase. I think Republicans and right-minded citizens need to throw that out as much as they can. Bring them to the table. Make them deal with the subject as the subject really is, not what they hope for it to be. It is, in fact, illegal immigration. It kind of explains a little bit, because in my head I'm sitting there thinking, why does Joe Biden now want to run down to the southern border the same week that Donald Trump 
is running down to the border. When it took so long, this is only his second time down there, they had to drag him kicking and screaming, but he went down there. He made this hastily announced trip to the southern border, and it explains why. I mean, Trump is down there at Eagle Pass, which has seen more than 2,100 border apprehensions in the last five days. Not the last five weeks, not the last five months, in the last five days. Biden decided to go to kind of the sleepy little town, a far eastern border town of Brownsville, Texas, which over the same five days had seen 46. 46 apprehensions versus 2,100. Bit of a difference. And there was Biden on Thursday extolling the virtues of the comprehensive border legislation. This is a bill that they have that now is hopelessly stuck in the Senate. Now, you're going to hear a lot of things come out of the mouth of Joe Biden from yesterday that sound just like Donald Trump and those of us on the right for the last several months. He's extolling the virtues of this comprehensive border legislation. He goes, it's real simple. It's time to act. It is long past time to act. It's time for us to move on this. We can't wait any longer. Where have you been, Joe? We've been saying this ad nauseum. So, so why now? Where have you been? I mean, th- this is amazing to me. You know, it's, it, it can't wait any longer. Now, he's doing this solely because he wants to deflect blame to congressional Republicans for the border crisis. Now, not only is he sw- shifting the blame to Republicans for the border crisis, but he's shifting blame to the border crisis over a border problem he, Joe Biden, created. Uh, Andrew Klein... Uh, Georgia Republican isn't fooled. He put it on X this week. Insanity. A, quote, newcomer just brutally murdered Lake and Riley last week. Newcomers are flooding our country with fentanyl. These newcomers are costing American taxpayers nearly $500 billion. And Joe Biden wants to normalize his intentional illegal invasion. He creates this invasion. It's illegal, and he creates it. And so now he's jumping into the fray because he wants to normalize everything. And he spent most of his time at the border talking about what? Talking about what? Talking about the the Georgia teen murdered? No. Talking about the cost to American taxpayers for illegal immigration? No. Talking about illegal immigration on its whole and, and, the, and the pressure it's putting on our border patrol? No. He talked about... Climate change. Climate change. He goes, I love some of my Neanderthal friends, that's you and me, Republicans, who still think there's no climate change. Anyone who's willfully denying the impact of climate change is condemning the American people to a very dangerous future. Impacts are only going to get worse, more frequent, and more ferocious, and more costly. How remarkable. In fact, how asinine is that? We're in the midst of a Biden-caused border catastrophe, and he's talking about the ever-increasing problem of climate change. Climate change did not kill that girl down in Georgia. Climate change is not causing most of the economical problems that we have right now in our country. Climate change, if it's real, I don't believe it is, but even if it is, climate change is not what's causing all that. 
He's down there talking about the costliness of climate change. You want costly, Mr. President? Consider the cost of the nine million, nine million and counting, illegal aliens who have streamed across our southern border on your watch. Not only are these people overwhelming our social service systems, but many of them are also bringing an element of lawlessness with them. This is the lawlessness that Donald Trump warned about when he first ran for office back in 2016, and the people on the left mocked him. And then he started putting up the border wall, and he started shutting down people coming in. And people go, well, it's not all that. And so then they started tearing down the wall and tearing down the legislation that put it in place. And now what's happened? It has skyrocketed again. Mr. President, next time you're tempted to go to the southern border, go to the southern state of Georgia. And if you would, take your motorcade and stop at the home of now-murdered Lake and Riley. And look her mom and her dad in the face and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for the loss of your daughter. If only we could have done more, and I promise to do more, about climate change. Mr. President, you need to wake up, or you're going to wake up some morning very, very soon, and you won't be called Mr. President any longer. In my little way of thinking, that day can't come anytime too soon. Right after this short break from Fort Wayne's Morning News, Caleb Blakesley will be on with us straight ahead, right here on WoWo, 92.3 FM and 1190 AM. This is the Pat Miller Program on WoWo, 92.3 FM at 11.90 AM, and on the WoWo app. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another segment of the Pat Miller Program here on Saturday, as promised. She's sitting right there in the newsbreaker chair. How do you get her to come in on Saturday? You won't believe what we have to pay her for overtime. <laughs> the beautiful, the lovely, the talented, the inimitable... Kayla Blakesley. Kayla, happy Saturday Happy to you. Saturday. I think the word you're looking for is coffee. You can always pay me in coffee. Well, How's it we've, going? We've done that in the past, too. Yeah. So just, yeah. How's it going? Second show in. Second show in. Um, I, I got just whatever. Uh, tons of texts and emails after our previous show Good. last week. And starting with this show, they're going to start podcasting the entire program on my page after we get done, so we'll be there. So good. So if folks miss it, because I realize Saturdays can be hit or miss for some yep. some people. I tons of people coming up going, I could kill myself. I knew to be ready for Saturday at noon. I missed it. Yeah. I said, well, just hang on. Well, well, there. You'll have the podcast form. Speaking of tons of emails and messages, yes, I don't ma'am. know about you. Uh, obviously, your inbox being blown up because of your show. Right. Um, but I don't know if you've been getting all of these emails and messages about the mayor, oh, uh, the mayor health? of Fort Wayne. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think everyone's probably aware at this point that Monday, last Monday, he announced his um, his cancer diagnosis. Right. He has late stage stomach cancer. Right. Um, He's he, stage three, I believe. I don't yeah. know what yeah. stage he had just said late stage. What, right. what, what have you? Um, I do know that he said his prognosis is not good. Yeah. Um, and that he's going to be starting chemotherapy coming up this week, I believe. Um, and, and, you know, with a, with a topic like that, Pat, there is a certain level of sensitivity and decorum yep. that I obviously want to maintain. He might be a politician. Um, he's also a person. He's, he's also a person yep. and deserves our a, respect. A, a person who just buried his wife yeah. I mean, he, because of cancer. It's just unbelievable. As soon as I heard the news, I did send a text to John Perlick, mm-hmm. who's in his office. Mm-hmm. And it was several hours before John got back to me, and all he wrote back was, he goes, thanks, Pat, this means a lot. Yeah. You know, but, you know, am, am I a Republican? Yep. Is he a Democrat? Through and through. I'll, I'll never forget one time, he took me to dinner 
at his wife's restaurant at, at the at the Green, Green Frog. Frog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Wednesday nights, all the wings you can eat. Uh, but uh, but we sat there and he looked at me. He goes he goes here's one thing I'm telling you. Now this is going to drive some of my um, Democrat staunch listeners out of their mind. Uh, but he leaned over. And he Didn't grabbed, know you had those. He grabbed my arm and he said, "I am never going to lie to you. I may not answer your question. I may get upset that you asked it, but I'm never going to lie to you." And so then I reciprocated with the same promise to him. And for all I know, between the two of us, we have held that together. And that's been about six or seven years ago. Yeah, I mean, your political ideologies or what have you, and this goes, I think, wide-ranging past our mayor, Yep. it, it doesn't give you an excuse to treat someone with disrespect, you know, yeah. at, at the end of the day. And that's that's how I feel about the mayor. May we differ on some things? Of course we do. Um, I don't play for that team. I think everyone knows that, yep. that, that I am a Republican. The mayor yep. is a Democrat. Um, but at the end of the day, he deserves still our respect at this really, really quite frankly, tumultuous time that mm-hmm. he's found himself in, not yeah. only now, but just even months ago with the diagnosis of Cindy. But but he announced that on Monday. And so naturally, you know, my inbox, and I'm sure yours, flooding with the question of, you know, what happens if if he has to step aside? What happens if he has to resign? And again, going back to this just genuine personal balancing act that I was having within myself of when do we answer that question? When do we not? I just want to be respectful of yeah. him. Um, is, is there an actual, I should know this and I don't. Have you found that there's an actual procedure in place? There is an actual procedure in place. In fact, I have my handy dandy notes here in Uh-oh. front of me. I had to look up Indiana election law, Title Three vacancies. Um, I, I've done the research for you all, so, so you don't have to, hopefully now. But I would encourage you to check it out, to check it out if you want to. Um, and I think, first and foremost, we need to be clear about this. I can't tell you how many people said to me, what? We have a deputy mayor. We do, in fact, have a deputy mayor right. here in Fort Wayne. Um, so, so let's say the mayor does resign and that resignation is effective immediately. Um, there are some other kind of scenarios that could play out with the timing of his res- resignation, but let's just say it's immediate. Right. Um, our deputy mayor, his name is Carl Bandemer, by the way, right. he would step in. See, and, and some people say, well, okay, is that really going to be necessary? We just had the mayoral election, right? So, so, um, so, so Henry just was inaugurated for his new term last month, and in that, there's now four years out there. Now, he might think, and and this is typical Tom Henry. No, I'm I'm going to keep working for the people, and I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that that's yeah. his his goal. But when you get a year or two in, and if things diminish for him. The, you know, right? You just never know. So, so that deputy mayor would step in until the a caucus is held. Um, this would be a party specific caucus to replace the mayor. Um, Indiana law calls for this to happen within thirty days after said date yeah. of vacancy. So, yeah, that window for the deputy mayor to serve could be a rather small one, uh, if if a window even at all. Again, mm-hmm. depending on the actual date of resignation. Um, Here's the part where things can get a little bit confusing. A little dicey. A little dicey. Um, The caucus precinct committeemen, okay, Mm -hmm. they would be the ones, though, who essentially would be deciding our next mayor, our new mayor to take office. Um, This is not like we the people special election. I've had so many people coming to me about some confusion about a special election taking place. No, that's not at all what would happen. So this would be a Democratic caucus where committee men, so these would be um, 
like the leaders, if you will, right. the chairman of each right. precinct. Um, and I don't actually know. I tried to find the number, how many precincts we have within Fort Wayne. It's, it's in my notes at home. I forget. That's that's normally my conversation I have on Election Day. Uh, you yeah, know. it's it's a very small number. I know that. Yeah. I know in Allen County, we have 279 precincts last I checked. So again, we're, we're narrowing that down here to, to Fort Wayne. So it's a much, much smaller right. number. So I want people to really think about that. Okay, this is going to be a really small amount of people essentially voting in our next mayor. Furthermore, it is possible that some of these precincts don't actually even have this committee men position filled, right? So, like I said, it could be an incredibly teeny yeah. tiny small group of pe- group of people. Yeah. You know, th- the only thing close to this is back when um, Souter had to leave his seat as a US congressman. Yes, that's right. And then Two things happened in the same meeting. We had a caucus meeting. They ended up holding it in Columbia City. All the caucus people, all of the precinct people for the Republicans, that's when they put in uh, Marlin. Mm-hmm. I remember. Re- to replace the term. And then they took another vote, which could have gone to somebody else, mm-hmm. but they had to pick, okay, who now is going to be on the ballot? Because we were just getting ready for the general election. And they picked Marlin again. And that was the beginning of the time of the transition for Marlin going from the State House to the U.S. Capitol. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there are all kinds of intricacies. There in are place. a lot of intricacies. And that's why I'm going with this scenario of an immediate resignation. Yeah. Because there are, again, some other scenarios that could play out. There is um, a scenario that a caucus is not held due to just lack of filing for one, something silly like that. Um, but the head of the Democratic Party here in town has already said that, that a caucus essentially is going to happen. Yeah. So once that happens, basically a majority vote for a candidate is required to fill said vacancy, again, right. by these committee men. And um, if there's more than one candidate, basically you duke it out at the ballot box. Yeah. Um, if yep. you receive the least amount of votes, let's say it's you, me, and producer Josh, Josh gets the least amount of votes. He's out first. Then it would go down to you and yeah. I, and so on and so forth. And yeah. now you kind of get the idea. Now, now where the big grumble's going to come, oh, so the Democrats get to pick just because he was a Democrat. Yeah, they do. Kind of, yeah. we voted for a Democrat. I mean, technically, a Republican could run as a qualified candidate, but I can't see these Democratic committee men. No, that's not going to um, happen. But, but, if, you, but, but if you want to be technical it's, about it's it. It's going back to the Marlin story. Mm-hmm. Some people were screaming at us back then. Well, how come just Republicans are deciding who's going to fill out Saturday's seat? Because we elected a, a Republican. Republican to yeah. that position, just yeah. like this. A Democrat was elected to position of mayor, and thus, the, quote, the Democrats will be able to pick who the new candidate would be. You see, all I have to do is to bring you back in here on a Saturday and look at all the answers that you can give us, and you, you've, you you've done it again. I think eventually, a lot of people then asked me this morning, because I shared this this morning on my show, well, who will be the candidates? Um, a, I, I just don't even think it's appropriate really to go down that road yet. I think we can go down that road if we need to in terms of possible candidates, but I will say this. I'll just drop this little nugget, and then I'll leave you be here to do your thing this weekend. I do shudder at the thought of some of the names that could potentially pop up. I, I'm right there with you. You and I need to go out and have coffee. Because uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> we, we could tear the place up. Kayla, thanks. You're welcome. We're going to be back with more straight ahead. This is Pat Miller here with you on this Saturday on Wobo. 92.3 FM, 1190 AM. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Our thanks again to Kayla Blakesley for being with us and to talk about all the things going on uh, down at Citizen Square at the center of Fort Wayne politics. And as our hearts and minds uh, really are thinking about our mayor, Tom Henry, um, as Councilman Jeff Paddock said, uh, it's time for us now to comfort him, to give him whatever comfort we can. He says prayer can do a lot to help a person heal. And uh, Fort Wayne Council President 
Thomas Freistroffer says that supporting Henry is a team effort, and I would just say as it should be. So, Mr. Mayor, uh, thoughts and prayers for you, and we hope that your recovery uh, continues to go well. Um, d- just after having buried his his lovely bride, it's got to be it's got to be very very difficult to turn right around and realize that you're dealing with similar circumstances with yourself. So, to him and all of his staff and everybody downtown, uh, we are thinking about you and we are praying for you. Let me go back and revisit. A couple of thoughts that I was having before our interview with Kayla Blakesley, and I, I want to um, I want to address that a little bit further. We're talking about the fact that Donald Trump and Joe Biden this week, on the same day, went down to the same southern border, although not at the same location. Uh, President Trump went to Eagle Pass. Biden went to Brownsville, Texas. I've been to both. It's been several years. But at Eagle Pass, we'd seen more than 2,100 border apprehensions, apprehensions just in the last five days, while Brownsville, which is where the president went, uh, President Biden, we had just seen 46 over that same period. Now, yesterday, there was Biden extolling the virtues of the comprehensive border legislation bill that's right now hopelessly stuck in the Senate, uh, mostly because of the work of the people from his party. He goes, it's real simple. It's time to act. It is long past time to act. It's time for us to move on this. We can't wait any longer. And again, I just say this, Mr. President, where have you been? We've been saying this now for the first three years of your presidency. Look, $1.4 billion dollars for cities and states who are providing critical services for newcomers and to expedite work permits. How about this, Mr. President? Why don't you pull that 1.4 off your fact sheet? Why don't we double it to $2.8 billion, And why don't we grab some of these newcomers, as you have coined them, and why don't we send them back home? Why is it up to us? Why is it up to us? to coddle them and to care for them and to make their transition, not just into our country, but into our society so that they can achieve everything that we've worked our whole life to achieve. And they can achieve it just by virtue of the fact that they came across the border during the term of a very weak president. Why should that happen? All he's trying to do is he's trying to deflect blame to congressional Republicans for a border crisis, a border crisis which he, he, Joe Biden, created. I mean, I talked about the fact we've decided to call them newcomers now instead of illegal immigrants or, or, or illegal migrants or undocumented immigrants. We're going to call them newcomers. Okay, well, why don't you go down there to Georgia, sir, and walk up to the family of Lake and Riley and tell her that the newcomers who are flooding into our country, the ones that are flooding in with fentanyl, these newcomers, which are costing our taxpayers $500 billion, these newcomers who I, Joe Biden, want to normalize their, their illegal invasion, those are the ones that killed your daughter. This is a guy... This is a guy that can't finish a sentence, and when he does finish the sentence, it still doesn't make any sense. Because we're under one case, it's, it sounds nonsensical because he can't put more than two words together. When he can put more than two words together, he's sitting there blaming the climate crisis for the death of a, of a young lady down in Georgia. 
Am I am I to assume, Mr. President, that you now are linking climate change and illegal migration? If climate change is as horrible as it is here, as you say it is, Mr. President, then why would we want to inflate the numbers of migrants, newcomers, if you call them? Why would we want to make that number even bigger? You kept talking in your speech down there on the southern border about the costliness of climate change. You want costly, Mr. President? Nine million illegal aliens who've streamed across our border just under your watch. Not only are these people overwhelming our social services, but many are also bringing an element of lawlessness with them. Their first encounter with our government is lawlessness. And Mr. President, you would not even mention the name of Ms. Riley, whose blood is all over their hands. And in fact, I would tell you by abstention, her blood is all over your hands as well. 22 years old. Augusta University nursing student, brutally murdered while out for a jog on the campus of the University of Georgia last week. By whom? By a 26-year-old Venezuelan newcomer. What is a newcomer who came across our southern border in Texas doing in the southern state of Georgia, near the University of Georgia. What is he even doing there? And you keep trying to talk our way around this and get out of it. And, Mr. President, I don't see it. I absolutely do not see it. Now, problems are a little problematic, too, for Kelly Gertz. And I know a lot of you don't know that name. Kelly Gertz is the progressive Democrat mayor of Athens, Georgia, which, by the way, Athens, Georgia, is the home of the University of Georgia, and it is an effective sanctuary city for illegals, which is how, and under the auspices and under the protection, it's how this Venezuelan made his way to Athens, Georgia, because Athens, Georgia, as a sanctuary city, has up their sign, it's basically an ollie-ollie out in free. That's how they got there. I caution against conflating. This is Mayor Gertz. I caution against conflating immigration and crime. The data demonstrates that the two are not connected. Excuse me? Part, I, I, seriously, pardon me? Immigration and crime can't be linked together? We talked about the, the multiple murders in Beaumont, Texas last year. We talked a few years ago about the killing of the young lady on the wharf in San Francisco at the landing where she was shot on a Sunday night while out walking with her family after a Sunday dinner. By whom? By an illegal. If we can't conflate those two numbers, uh, Kelly Kurtz, mayor of Athens, Georgia, University of Georgia, Sanctuary City, if we can't conflate those, what on earth can we conflate? It would seem to me that there's a lot of conflating. That can be done. And then the mayor of Athens, Georgia, says the data demonstrates that the two are not connected. Well, then neither is cloud, lightning, and rain. How can you put those together? Well, one of them rapidly goes together with the other one. I was doing some reading by Nate Jackson from the Patriot Post the other day. 
and he put some ideas together. I want to share them with you in the next segment. And then just after that, after the news at the top of the hour, we'll have Fox News at 1 o'clock. And after that, our good friend, uh, Philip Wegman from Real Clear Politics. He, in fact, is the uh, Washington and White House representative for Real Clear. He'll be with us, and he'll be with us right after the news at 1 o'clock. And then just after that, some thoughts from Nate Jackson, where he talks about a big lie coming out about borders and illegalities. And he breaks them down for us, and I want us to look at them and examine them. We need to get these down, folks. You need to take notes on this stuff, not because Pat Miller's saying it. You need to take notes on this, because when we start sending people to Washington, whether it's to go to the House of Representatives or to the Senate, these are the questions that we need to arm them with. These are the things they need to stare down the president's administration and go, okay, what about this? What about this? We'll have all that coming up after the news at the top of the hour. We'll we'll continue with this article in the next segment right after our short break right here. Thanks for being with us on this Saturday. This is Pat Miller right here with you on WoWo, 92.3 FM and 1190 AM. This is the Pat Miller Program on WoWo, 92.3 FM and 1190 AM and at WoWo.com. Welcome back. As we continue, here we are, our fourth segment already for today. Uh, glad you guys are with us. Don't forget Philip Oigman coming up right after the news, coming up here at the top of the hour. Nate Jackson from the Patriot Post was looking at some of the things coming out of the mouths of people, primarily those out of the mouths of the president. Corinne Jean-Pierre is incredible uh press room pulpiteer, uh, who just never ceases to amaze me with her ability to take common sense and to twist it and to screw it around into saying things that the president didn't say and mean, and which common sense doesn't say and mean. And she's starting to do it with more and more aplomb, although insiders tell me she's probably looking for an exit by the end of the year, especially if it looks like this president will not be reelected. She's probably going to look for a way out before Corinne Jean-Pierre and her sellability, her future, whether it's MSNBC, CNN, some other uh, left-leaning rag, somewhere to go and to peddle her stuff. She wants to make sure she stays viable. But Nate Jackson, not left-leaning at all at the Patriot Post, Nate Jackson noted um, Thursday in the Patriot Post, and he said, it's a big lie for a couple of reasons. What's a big lie? That you can't conflate immigration and crime, as the Democrat mayor of Athens said. The data demonstrates the two are not connected. Well, Nate Jackson says that's a lie. First of all, any alien who crosses the border illegally has committed a crime in his or her first act. Their first act on American soil is to commit a crime. They came in illegally. Whether Gertz weasels around using the word illegal or not, it's an illegal act. If they weren't illegal before they got here, they were certainly illegal just after they arrived. Secondly, the only reason that Gertz can spout such stupid nonsense about data is that there is no real database. Get this. There is no real database at all at any level of government linking crime to immigration status. Well, how can we have people bloviate about this? How can we have people come out and slam their little lecterns and scream into microphones and stand there in their polyester pinstripe suits and tell us how brilliant they are when the claims that they're making are based on information we don't have? 
There is nothing in writing that links the two together. None. Immigrants actually commit fewer crimes than native-born people in this country. Robert Garcia, another California congressman, a Biden stude, said that. I'm gonna, let me give you his quote one time. Immigrants actually commit fewer crimes than native-born people here in this country. Well, when you consider the fact that even at the admitted numbers of illegals here in this country, it's less than 10% of the overall population of our government and our country, well, yeah, if you're considering less than 30 million versus 300 million, yeah, the fact that they're less. But what is the difference by percentage points? If the number of crimes being committed by percentage among illegals, I would suggest to you that those numbers are five and six times higher than those being committed by those of us here in this country who continue to belong in this country. This immigrant crisis narrative is racist, Garcia says. It's not true. How do you know? How do you know that? It's already been stated that Democrats don't have the catalog of illegal immigration and crime in a national crime database. My first question, why isn't it being cataloged? Every time there's a crime, for example, with with Ms. Lakin, the young college student murdered down in Georgia, is hers being cataloged in a database and the fact that it was committed by an illegal alien? No, it is not. Why isn't it? Why isn't it? Well, the reason they don't want illegal immigration and crime to be cataloged in a national crime database is because they know they bear the responsibility for it and because they fear a a righteous backlash from voters. And may I just say, that backlash would come and you would deserve every bit of it. Were it not for Joe Biden's open border policies, Lake and Riley would be alive today. Here's what I want Democrats to do. And when you go to different rallies as we get closer and closer and closer to election, to primaries and to national elections, I want you to start making some posters and don't unveil them until after the speeches start and then unveil them big, long, and proud. And let your, let your sign say nothing more than say her name. Say her name. Say her name. Lake and Riley, and make them say it. They, let them say it. Look, for Donald Trump, he was accompanied when he went down to the southern border earlier this week by Greg Abbott, the very proud, the very patriotic governor of the state of Texas. And he has absolutely, resolutely taken border security into his own hands down there in his state, the Lone Star State with Texas refusing to allow Border Patrol agents into a state park near Eagle Pass, where, kind of in a bizarre shift, they might undo the security measures that Texas has put in place. In addition to speaking at Eagle Pass yesterday, Donald Trump penned an op-ed piece, and he did it And those of you that listen to my program when we're on every day, you're going to hear me continue to say it over the weekend. One of the best newspapers in the United States today is not a United States paper. It's UK's Daily Mail.
And from Eagle Pass, former President Trump penned an op-ed piece. Let me read you what he said in his op-ed in the Daily Mail. When Joe Biden came into office, he willfully and deliberately obliterated every strong border policy I put into place and launched the largest border invasion in American history. Biden stopped wall construction. He ordered an immediate suspension of removals. He ripped up Remain in Mexico. He terminated my asylum agreements. He ended Title 42. He tied the hands of our ICE and and Border Patrol agents behind their backs. He made it known to the entire world that our border was wide open. And ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly what he did. And then for the president to stand up as he did this week and to say, we better get with it. It's long past time for us to do something about our borders. We need to get in there and we need to do something about it. We need to get in there. He said, of course he's saying that. It's an absolute mess. Joe, it wasn't a mess the day you took office. It was not a mess the moment you took office on January the 20th of that inauguration day just a few short years ago. Now, on January 20th of 2021, Joe Biden did issue this following proclamation. It shall be the policy of my administration that no more American taxpayer dollars be diverted to construct a border wall. And now he is going to be falling all over himself between now and November to do exactly that, to grab as many American taxpayer dollars as he can and shove it toward the border. Joe, Mr. President, had you not come into office, no more taxpayer dollars. We're going to stop all this. Remain in Mexico is going to stop. The border wall is going to stop. Had you just left things alone. Had you just allowed the same amount of money to go to the border wall as was going to the border wall when you took office, guess what? It would have been completed a year and a half ago. It would have been completed a year and a half ago. And the border problems that we have now, we would not be having. Border Patrol agents would know that they still had a president and a policy behind their backs. They wouldn't have to be glancing over their shoulders to see if the White House was still with them. And they can't do that anymore. Mr. Biden, this is on you. Mr. Biden, as we get closer and closer to the election, I beg you, sir, Talk about the border, and I beg you, say her name. It's Lake and Riley. Say her name. Back with more after the news. Straight ahead, right here on Wobo, 92.3 FM, 1190 AM. Podcasts by Federated Media.